Good day, brothers and sisters, and welcome to New Creation Realities. And we're going to continue with our lessons today in Christ. And give me just a second here, separating some notes that I've got. Today, I just wanted to look at uh, the following verse in Romans chapter eight, verse thirty-nine, that has the phrase or the the two words in Christ. And before we do that, I did want to just kind of go and look back at some of our verses that we have touched on in the past. And for one, uh, I wanted to look at at Ephesians chapter 2. And before we actually look at that, I just want to make... uh, I want to mention this because it's going to be throughout, I mean, it has been throughout our classes in Christ, and uh, our relationship with God is not dependent upon us in any way whatsoever. Not even upon what we know. In fact, the security of our salvation is not dependent upon what we know. The security of our salvation is Christ himself. It is what God knows that counts. All right? Now, of course, we will look at John chapter 14, verse 20, where Jesus says, in that day you will know. God does not want us to remain ignorant of the truth, of the truth who Christ himself is, of the truth of, listen, who our life is, of the truth of who our salvation is, of the truth of who our relationship with God is. And I've inserted the truth of who, whom Christ himself And that's always the issue. That's always the issue. If we're having any issue uh, whatsoever, it it is one of ignorance of not knowing Christ, the Son of the living God himself. All right? So, with our class once again, in Christ, the Spirit of the Lord, drawing our hearts to come from that which is below, man's knowledge, man's thought, man's understanding, man's concept, unto the eternal mind, who is Christ himself. Our hearts submitted unto ignorance, to our heart being submitted unto ignorance, the Holy Spirit directing a heart that it may be submitted unto the truth. Okay? So, before I look at Ephesians, I do want to just read once again uh, John chapter 14, verse 20. And Jesus, of course, this is Jesus speaking Uh, before he goes to the cross, before his death, burial, and resurrection. So he's speaking to his disciples of a time that was coming, okay? And a time that indeed came for each one of them. John chapter 14, verse 20, this is Jesus speaking. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in in you. And that's the relationship that every single born-again believer has the moment, the very moment Christ himself appears in the soul. Because Christ himself, Jesus, the Son of the living God himself, is our relationship with God. Very important. And yet it's, as as I stated uh, at at the beginning of the class, and yet our relationship with God is not dependent upon what we as believers know. It is dependent upon Christ himself. God the Father knows the truth. God the Father knows the Son. This is what our relationship with God is dependent upon, upon Christ himself. And of course, once again, God does not want us to continue ignorant of his son. That is to say, with our thought, with our concept, because brothers and sisters, our thought, our concept is not God's 
high thought, the mind of God. Our thought, our concept is based upon the, the thought, the concept of man is based upon what man can see with the natural eye, what man can hear with the natural ear, and what man can understand with the natural mind. But what about where the Apostle Paul says, uh, which surpasses all understanding? Where is that verse? Let me look at it real quick. Uh, Will I find it? Will I find it? I will not find it. <laughs> Let me try again. Okay, might have more luck with this verse. Or with this, with this search right here. Yes. It's uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, surpasses our mind, the natural mind below. Okay? So the heart is either submitted to the mind of man below, or the heart is submitted unto the eternal mind of Christ above. One or the other, one or the other, okay? I think it was our last class, we were looking at how uh, Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. You're, you're going to serve one or the other, all right? So it's one or the other. But remember, the Holy Spirit is faithful to direct our hearts always unto Christ. So this is Jesus speaking. John chapter 14, verse 20. At that day, and in, in the Greek it is in, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. So once again, I just uh, want to do like a little bit of a, a recap um, or a review. I want us to look at that definition of the word in, Strong's number 1722 again. We've already looked at this previous classes, which that's fine. I just want to do like a little bit of a review at this time. And so this is Strong's uh, Greek Dictionary. It says, uh, in, it is a primary preposition denoting fixed position. And once again, I'm going to insert my own word and replace the word position with condition because our salvation is not a position, brothers and sisters. Our salvation is the condition of our soul. The, listen, the new condition of our soul. Even as before we were born again, our souls were found in a condition, in a state of death among the dead. Now, having been born again, our souls are found in a new condition, in a new state, and that is one of life. Because life, who Christ himself is, is present in the soul. All right, everything for the for the for the soul uh, is based upon whether Christ is present or not. All right, so a primary preposition denoting fixed position in place, in time, or in state, in whatever place, in whatever time, or in whatever state. He goes on, and by implication, instrumentality. Medially or constructively, that is a relation of rest intermediate between Strong's number 1519 and Strong's number 1537. Now I want to look at those um, two words, still in the Strong's dictionary. Uh, Strong's number 1519, ace or ice, a primary preposition to or into indicating the point reached or entered. And if you take note, all these words are in the past tense. To or into, indicating the point reached or entered. The point, here's, here's my comment, the point having been reached or the point having been entered. Of course, this is 
the moment of your birth, which, when this takes place. The other word is Strong's number uh, 1537. It is ek or ex. It is a primary preposition denoting origin, the point whence action or motion proceeds. And when one is born again, when, when the soul is born again, it is birthed from above. It is birthed from the beginning. The origin, the source has changed. Now, every single person we, we, we see, we can see with our natural eye, they have been born in Adam. And the difference will be whether they are born again or not. They have been born in Adam. Maybe they, they're still in Adam. But the one who's born again, born again, born from above, born from the beginning, has a new source. Who is Christ himself, born from the beginning. A new origin. Who is Christ himself. No longer what was this Adamic, this first man, but being born again of the incorruptible seed, who is Christ himself. And when, when we continue in reading Romans, this is just going to be great, because <clears throat> the soul is either in one or two, excuse me, in either one of two conditions. The soul is either in the condition of sin and death, or the soul is either in the condition of life and righteousness. The soul is either in Adam, the first man Adam, or the soul is either in Christ, the second man, even the Lord from heaven. The soul, going on, the soul is either condemned, rightfully so, or the soul is found with no condemnation whatsoever. The soul is either found in the condition of disobedience or the soul is either found in the condition of obedience based upon which seed, which man the soul is found in. With Adam and Eve, just thinking about this, Adam and Eve in the garden, God says, you can freely eat of any tree you want. But whatever you do, don't eat. Or he didn't say whatever you do. He just said, don't eat of the tree of death. Well, he said of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but compared in comparison to the tree of life, it is the tree of death. What is the first thing they do? <laughs> that means the very first thing. They eat, they partake of the tree of death disobedience. Condemnation comes. They run and they hide from God. The second man, the Lord of heaven, Christ himself, the son of the living God, is the obedient son. And the soul is is either found, once again, in a state of disobedience in Adam, disobedience in Adam, having not yet been born again, not born again, or in obedience in Christ, the obedience of another. In one or the other. Okay? You remember, as I stated, our relationship with God is not dependent upon what we know or dependent upon what we do not know. Christ himself is our, our relationship with God the Father. And God the Father knows Christ the Son. All right, so where were we? Had to move that around. Ephesians chapter 2, <clears throat> verses 1 through, let's read 1 through 7. 
This is uh, the Apostle Paul speaking to the church, those who are born again. And you he made alive who were, I love that, who were dead in trespasses and sins. A contrast between what was and what is. Times past and now. Okay. Uh, He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Once at one time before. According to the course of this air, excuse me, of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Verse 3, among whom also we all once, times past, conduct ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were, past tense, by nature, children of wrath, just as the others. That's what it is, how it is in Adam, brothers and sisters. Listen, brothers and sisters, we who are born again, that is not how it is. That is not our state. That is not our condition. I'll say it this way. That is no longer our state. That is no longer our condition. For we have been birthed. We have been born of God in Christ Jesus. All right? Verse 4. Oh, I love this. This is the difference right here. Verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, there's our word in, because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in in trespasses, dead in trespasses made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, verse 6, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All right, so real quick, verse 4, we were in Adam, we were in Adam, dead in trespasses and sins, dead in trespasses, dead in sins, but God, God takes the initiative, God steps in, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were, there's that past tense, were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Made us alive together with Christ, born again that very moment. And because Christ is present in the soul, verse 16, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's it. I couldn't find the word Jesus. In Christ Jesus. So it's not just, it's not a, with God, it's not like heaven, I want to get you to heaven. No, no, no. In the heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. Nothing apart from the Son. Nothing apart from the Son. If, If we are to find, us who are born again, if we are to find anything of God, brothers and sisters, we must find whatever we are looking for in Christ the Son. If not, we truly will not find what we are looking for. The testimony of the two angels uh, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, the, the word is, is established, the testimony is established. Remember, the ladies, they come to the tomb, they are looking for Jesus. What do the angels say? Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Now listen to what I'm going to say. Why do we try to find our life where our life is not found below? Our life is risen. Why do we try? I'm going to keep on going with this. Why do we try to find our relationship with God below 
when our relationship with God is above in the person of Christ Jesus himself. Why do we try to find, why are we trying to find our acceptance with God? God accepting us, God being, listen, pleased with us below when we are accepted in the beloved above. Why are we trying to find the peace of God below when the peace of God is above who is Christ Jesus? Why are we trying to find the love of God, listen, below when the love of God is Christ Jesus? At the moment of new birth, God gives the soul everything he created the soul to receive. Did I say that right? At the moment of new birth, God gives unto the soul everything that he created the soul to receive in the person of Christ his Son. Nothing more nothing less. He has given the soul everything in the person of Christ his Son. The issue for us, brothers and sisters, is if we are finding the everything above in the person of Christ or not. And of course, I know this, you know this, this requires a work of the Holy Spirit to direct our hearts above, for man cannot, cannot, could not, can never come unto Christ except the Father draw him. And that is for the moment of due birth, and that is also for the knowledge of the new birth. Yes, that's why the Holy Spirit doesn't change what the Holy Spirit has forever and eternally done, doing, and will be doing, directing the heart unto Christ. First in reality, so that, the, so that the soul may come unto Christ himself, unto receiving, unto accepting by the work of the Holy Spirit, by the power of God, being able to respond to the voice of the living one himself, to receive Christ himself, and then that there may be the knowledge of the one whom we have received. But if we are looking below, brothers and sisters, we will not find what we are looking for. Now, this is, the, this is for that which pertains to God. I mentioned and gave a couple examples. Love of God. The righteousness of God. All found, all found in the person of Christ. It is in Him that we must look to find. Okay. So, where were we? Verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, verse 6, and raised us up and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, that in the ages to come, that is throughout eternity, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in, there's our word, in, his kindness towards us in Christ. All found in the person of Christ. All found in the person of his Son, who is Christ, who is the Messiah. All right? <clears throat> so just looking at uh, Romans that we've seen before in the, in the previous classes. Let's see. Romans chapter 6, verse 11. And once again, these were just verses, as we just read out of Ephesians, where, where the two Greek words in Christ and Christo are found. So this is Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin but alive to God 
in Christ. Jesus, our Lord. Once again, how can we reckon ourselves? I mean, we can look at the context. Let's just go ahead and look at that. Romans 6, 11. Context is with verse... Well, I'm just going to go with verse 8. Starting with verse 8. Let me take it off parallel so I don't read it to you in Spanish. Oh, well, let's start with verse 10. No. Verse 8. Sorry. I can... All right, verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Uh, I think I think the apostles basically doing, if this, then this. If this, then this. Now, if we died with Christ, basically we have, those who are, of us who are born again, we believe that we shall also live with him. We do live with him. He is our life. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Knowing that our life, who Christ is, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Our life lives unto God. Our life, who Christ is, lives unto God. Therefore, with verse 11, likewise, you also who are born again, Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And it goes on. Because the reckoning can be so, we reckon upon what is true. Likewise, also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord, because Christ Jesus our Lord, who is our life, is dead unto sin and alive unto God. All right? So that's our verse, Romans chapter 6, verse 11, and continue with chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here in Adam, the wages of sin, death. That's all it is. But for those who are born again, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now Romans chapter 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Jesus. And once again, the who do not walk according to the flesh was added. So, just reading it as it is, there is therefore now no condemnation, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Period. Why? Remember, as I stated at the beginning of the class, without in the beginning of our lesson here, Adam and Eve in the garden. You can eat of every tree freely in the garden. But do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat of the tree of death. Because the result is death. The very first thing Adam does, disobedience. Eats of that tree. Therefore, he is in a state of disobedience, deserving condemnation for what he hath done. Condemned. God stated all this even before he ate it. He went ahead and disobedience ate it, ate it anyway. In Adam, there is condemnation because of the sin of the disobedience that is present. But brothers and sisters, remember, that's the disobedience of one man. But what about the disobe- excuse me, what about the obedience of the Son? 
I always do those things that please the Father. And God the Father was pleased with him whether he would do anything or not. God the Father is pleased with his Son. His Son is just naturally obedient. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus because the Son is not condemned. He cannot be. He died once to sin. He dieth no more. And then I know there's, there's that thought, well, yes, well, they condemned him to death. Remember, he took in unto himself the one who was completely blameless, no fault whatsoever, the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice, no spot, no blemish, even as God, even as God set the ordinance, you know, for the, the Passover, you'll take a, a lamb from the sheep or the goats without any spot or blemish. It has to be perfect. This is the one sent of God, a perfect lamb. The confession of, of Pilate even, I find no fault in him. There's nothing here that is worthy of death. And yet this one takes in unto himself this whole entire condition, this whole entire state of sin and death and brings that condition of death to death. Now what is death? What is dead? Must be buried. And life and life alone rose from the grave. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Because Christ, having died once, dieth no more. Our life, brothers and sisters, who Christ himself is, cannot be condemned. No. He sat down at the right hand of the Father, at the right hand of the power. God was pleased. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Jesus, those who are born again. All right. Romans chapter 8, verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ, Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 39, Now, uh, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. can separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. All right. <clears throat> when I was actually looking at Romans chapter 8, verse 39, I, ca- I came across this, um, this commentary for Romans chapter 8, verse 1. And so I want to go ahead and read it because I, I just, when I read it, I thought, oh gosh, this is a perfect way of saying this. And uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 is basically, there's now therefore no condemnation uh, for those who are in Christ Jesus. And This is the Believer's Bible Commentary by William MacDonald for Romans chapter 8, verse 1. From the valley of despair and defeat, I guess Romans chapter 7, the apostle now climbs the heights with a triumphant shout. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. This may be understood in two ways. First, there is no divine condemnation as far as our sin is concerned, because we are in Christ. There was condemnation as long... Yeah, here we go. There there was condemnation as long as we were in our first federal head, Adam, because he was worthy of condemnation. He was worthy to be condemned. He was to be blamed. But 
now we are in Christ, we who are born again, and therefore are as free from condemnation as he is. Because, this is my own comment, he is our life. It goes on, so we can hurl out the challenge. Reach my blessed Savior first. Take him from God's esteem. Prove Jesus bears one spot of sin. Then tell me I'm unclean. And this was by W.N. Tompkins. And what came to my what came to my heart when I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, this person. I mean, he didn't spell it out, but what he's declaring is Christ is my life. So when condemnation would come, he says the following, you know, reach my blessed Savior first. Go Go to Christ first. You condemning thought, you condemning whatever, yeah, thought, whatever. Go to Christ, my blessed Savior first. Take him from God's esteem. How God esteems him. Prove that Jesus bears one one spot of sin, then tell me that I'm unclean. So much for condemnation for the one who's in Christ. Not only that, this brother, whether he he didn't mention it right here, but this brother, W.N. Tompkins, is declaring, not I, but Christ. Not what I called life, but Christ who is my life. Once again, not what I called life, but Christ, who is my life. Not what I called life before I was born again, but Christ, who is my life since the moment of new birth. This one is our relationship with God. He sat down at the right hand of the power. God was well pleased, and God is well is well pleased, and God will forever be well pleased with his son, brothers and sisters. And we who are born again, brothers and sisters, his son is our life. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We could not be in Christ except Christ himself be in our soul. Remember what Jesus said, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father. You are in me and I am in you. It's all based upon Christ himself being present. Um, It goes on, that, that commentary, the Believer Bible, Believer's Bible Commentary by William McDonald, it goes on, but it may also mean that there is no need for the kind of self-condemnation which Paul described in chapter 7. There's no need of that. Because that, is for the one who is not born again. Remember, We who are born again, Christ is our acceptance with God. We are accepted in the beloved. Beloved, Beloved, forgive me for that. We are accepted in the beloved, not based upon what we do or do not do, but in the beloved himself. Remember? Not based upon what we do or do not do, but based upon the beloved himself. Accepted in the beloved. Everything, everything is found in the person of Christ Jesus. Everything. Everything. Okay. I thought I thought this interesting, so I just go went ahead and jotted it down. This is uh, in still looking at different commentaries and such for uh, Romans chapter eight. This is the, the New Testament Bible background commentary the InterVarsity Press, uh, New Testament Bible Background Commentary. This is for Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. Uh, the, the subtitle is People of the Spirit versus People of the Flesh. Okay, And uh, where it says, uh, starting with verse 5 through 8, their commentary of 
chapter 8, verses 5 through 8, it says, Philosophers often argue, or excuse me, philosophers often urged people to set their minds on eternal things rather than on the transitory affairs of this world. Something above, this, these are my comments, something above, something of a higher realm, if you will. Philo, who is a first century, century, first century Jewish philosopher committed to both Judaism and Greek thought, he lived in Alexandria, Egypt, and held a position of great influence and prestige uh, in the Jewish community there. Philo condemned those whose minds were taken up with the matters of the body and its pleasures. I'm going to go ahead and read. continue reading. It goes on to say, Philosophers divided humanity into the enlightened and the foolish. This is what philosophers did. Judaism divided humanity into, look at this, Israel and the Gentiles. It goes on. I love this next statement. Paul here, Romans chapter 8, divides humanity into two classes. Those who have the spirit of of those who have the spirit, basically Christians, and those left to their own devices. Because that is the issue, brothers and sisters. Remember, from the time before, before a soul is born again, the Holy Spirit is working, preparing the ground of the heart that the soul may receive, may respond to the voice of the living one and be born again. To come by the work of the Spirit from being in Adam to being in Christ. Then, from that very moment onward, see, that's reality. That is the truth. That's, that is it's like the big explosion, the moment of new birth. Everything that God created the soul to receive, the soul receives at the moment of new birth. That's it. So then you immediately have the separation between the sheep and the goats. Now, there are those who know, those who are born again, who have been brought to this, their soul has been brought into a new condition, into a new state, one of life, righteousness, um, eternal life, peace, joy, love, everything, everything of God in the person of Christ Jesus. Now there is whether the heart is knowing, acknowledging, knowing this new one, this new state that is present based upon the living one, Christ himself, the Son, who is present in the soul. But the issue is not one of knowing or not knowing. Remember, the issue is one of whether Christ is present or not. That's the divider. That is the divider between the dead and the living. Remember, our relationship with God, we who are born again, who are now found in the land of the living, among the living, no longer among the dead, Our relationship with God is Christ himself. And now, because the Holy Spirit knows the truth, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth, continues to prepare the ground of our heart to lead unto all truth who Christ himself is. But our relationship is not based upon what we know or what we do not know. Our relationship with God is Christ himself, and God the Father knows the Son. Not based upon performance or the lack thereof, but based upon the Son, Christ himself. All right, where were we? 
Paul here divides humanity into two classes. I love that. Those who are, or those, those who have the Spirit, Christians, and those left to their own devices, still in Adam, not born again. All right. It goes on to say, uh, verse for for Romans chapter eight, verse nine. Most Jewish people did not claim to have the Spirit. They believed that the Spirit would be made available only in the time of the end, after the Messiah had come. All those who were truly God's people would have the Spirit working in them. And he gave the verse uh, some references, Isaiah 44, verse 3, Isaiah 59, verse 21, Ezekiel 39, verse 29. I guess we have time to read those. Isaiah... Chapter 44, verse 3. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and flood and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. That's Isaiah 44. Now Isaiah 59, verse 21. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and my words, which I've put in your mouth, shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time forevermore. And then Ezekiel chapter 39, verse 29. And I will not hide my face from them anymore, for I, sh for I have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel, says the Lord. Okay. And I was just thinking when I read that, I was actually thinking uh, of Peter. Of course, I didn't jot the verse down in the book of Acts. Uh, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what he says. This is what the prophet Joel said. You know, the... Uh, well, let's see if I can find it. I know it's in the book of Acts. Give me just a second. When they are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's uh, Acts chapter 2. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, and uh, this is Acts chapter 2, verse 14, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is the only third, it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my, my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. Then uh, it goes on. It shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so, back to this commentary of the, of the InterVarsity Press, New Testament Bible background commentary, most Jewish people did not claim to have the Spirit. They believed that the Spirit would be made available only in the time of the end, after the Messiah had come. All those who were truly God's people would have the Spirit working in them. And I'll add my reference, because it wasn't added here. I'll add my reference, Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 14. And I'll end with verse 21. Of course, we could read the whole chapter, I guess. And then um, verse for verse 11, Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says, Jewish people believed that God would raise the dead at the end of the age. 
And remember what we read in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Just go there real quick. Ephesians chapter 2, verse... Let's see, where is it? Let's start with verse 4. And remember, this is the Apostle Paul. He is, my brothers and sisters, one whose heart is submitted unto the eternal mind and not submitted unto the natural mind of man. All right? He sees the truth in the person of Christ and not the imagination in the Adamic man. All right? This is what he says. Verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 2, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were, past tense, dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, you who are born again, you the church, you his body. Verse 6, And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 4 again, But we were dead in trespasses when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Jewish people believed that God would raise the dead at the end of the age. Our life, brothers and sisters, is a risen life. Our souls have been raised in Christ because Christ, who is our life, is present in our souls. Our life is a resurrected life, brothers and sisters. I just love that they added those Jewish uh, thoughts of what the Jews believed. Let's see. Oh, I didn't copy. <laughs> of course, I did in my Spanish notes because I'm about to look at it. Right here. All right. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8. Let me look at verse 31. Let's go back there. Romans, let's see. Starting with verse 31, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. So after everything that Paul says, he says, uh, he says the following. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even, here we go, verse, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 34, at the right hand of God, God being well pleased, who also makes intercession for us. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then he gives all these examples. Now, just right here, I want you to consider these. Every single, pretty much, I would say, if not all, the examples that he gives are examples found below in the temporal realm. Something in time. Something that comes and goes, but doesn't remain. Our life, brothers and sisters, who Christ is, remains. Look at it. 
He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Basically saying, if this, then this. God gave you everything in the person of Christ. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is at the is risen and furthermore is also risen who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God. Well, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Excuse me, I started looking at a different verse. Shall tribulation that is found on the earth in the temporal realm, or distress that is found below in the temporal realm, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, all of which are found below in the natural realm. Remember the whole issue with Job? I mean, this and this happens. You know, one thing, all his children are, are, are killed, and then raiders come and take everything. And then here are his quote-unquote friends. Well, see, Job, this happened because... Well, if you were right with God, Job, or I don't even, I can't even remember. It's been a while since I've read the book of Job. Job, if God loved you, then... I mean, can't you, can't you hear, listen to these thoughts of truly what they are, condemnation. But brothers and sisters, there is, there, there is now therefore no condemnation in Christ. I'm going to go on reading here in Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 36. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter, yet... Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded. I mean, after, after walking with the Lord, after continuing with the Lord, here's his conclusion. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, neither angel, angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, Things that I know, things that I yet don't know. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, Paul, you know, if you really pleased God, you wouldn't have been thrown into prison. You know, only criminals go to prison. No, brothers and sisters. He was in prison because his life, who Christ is, pleased the Father. He was in prison because he declared the truth that he saw in the person of Jesus Christ. He was in prison because he declared to the Jews their salvation, their expectation, their hope, their purpose for existing. I mean, can't you hear the thoughts that could come to the mind? Well, if God loved you, then why did this happen? Or if God loved you, why is this happening? No, brothers and sisters. No, 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 no. I am persuaded that nothing is able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Ephesians, again, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead 
in trespasses, dead in sins, dead, the soul in the condition of death, that did not please God, could not please God, nor could ever please God. God steps in, made us alive together with Christ. By grace we have been saved. The sign of God's love, the proof of God's love, is in the cross, brothers and sisters. Christ died. There's the proof. There's the sign. To direct our heart to know the love of God in Christ Jesus. So, there you go. That's all I had for this lesson. The love of God in Christ Jesus. In fact, everything of God in Christ Jesus. Where are we looking? Where are we searching? Where do we desire to realize our expectation? May we present all of this to the Holy Spirit. May the Holy Spirit direct our hearts unto Christ, the Son. Amen? Amen. Lord bless. We'll see you in our next lesson. Amen.